Welcome to the Runs Writer Podcast. Nicholson, Nicholson has a go! He's hit the post! It's in! It's in! An incredible goal from Shane Nicholson! It must have been 40 yards! It hit the bar and Woods was all over the show! And it came off the bar and Woods was in a complete pickle and he hit it into his own net! But I'm going to score that for Shane Nicholson! An incredible drive! And Wednesday are on their knees and stunned! century it was at least 35 yards out and the England goalie looked like an amateur hello welcome back to the Rams writer podcast the last one of the season that's it the season is finally over now for the Rams finishing 10th not bad I suppose for the season but I've got a very special guest with me today to discuss the season as well as his career uh, the man started at age 16 at Lincoln City and made his debut before moving to the Rams. A career that was tarnished a little bit, but he's broken through. He's overcome those demons, and now he's an analyst on Rams TV, amongst many other things. Joining me today is, is Shane Nicholson. Shane, good evening. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having, you, me, uh, for having you on. Um, and how are you? Are you well? I'm very good. We're having a bit of technical issues. You still can't hear you. <laughs> hear me now. That's Is that better? There we go. Yes, we're there. It's all right. It's fine. It's fine. Um, glad to hear that you're doing well. Um, so, it's 10th then. Not bad for Koku's first season, would you say? I think all things considering, Simon... Um, I think if we look back at this season, I think you have to be pleased with, with where we've um, ended up. I really do. I think we've, you know, it's no surprise, I don't think really, that we've ended in mid-table. Um, I think the very fact that Koku give us an opportunity still against Cardiff City to make the playoffs, I, I think is amazing. Yeah. Um, I think at the start of the season, you know, we all have them expectations that we should be in the playoffs, you know, and, you know, we, year in, year out, you know, we've struggled to go over that final hurdle. Um, but I just think with certain things that have gone off, not that he would use that as an excuse, but I've never known anything quite like it in football. Uh, I don't just mean the lockdown. I mean the things that's gone off off the field as well with, you know, with, with incidents that we'll probably talk about later as well. Yeah. So I think at the start when he came in, I, I'm the type of person that's quite animated and I like my managers to be the same as well. So I, I, was, I had that against him at the start, but Mm. I've got to say, I've grown week in, week out. I've grown to love the man. Cause there's no person, I think, that would you would <laughs> rather have at the helm to go, you know, to, be, to keep everyone calm and relaxed and cool. To, with everything that we've gone through at this football club, he has been the perfect person to have at the helm of the football. He really has. He's been fantastic. So, 12 is where we deserve to be. Um, I don't think we deserve to be any higher than that because that's where we are. We had the opportunity at Cardiff. And I think I, I honestly think the players let him down, in all honesty. I thought we were very poor. First 15 to 20 minutes where we, that's where I felt we lost the game. Um, that, that was our big chance, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, it's, it was sort of, I mean, because to be honest, following, you know, I think pre-lockdown, we hit a bit of good form. And then post-lockdown, I think it was all about how can we react? Can we respond? Can we keep that going? And for the first three games, we did, you know, against obviously Millwall, Preston and Reading. You're thinking, you know what, playoffs is a big possibility here. And especially with how the season ended as a whole, I mean, 
can't forget what happened to our our, our loving neighbours down here for two and the way they capitulated like they did. So you know, it, it was there for the taking. And I think I think disappointed is the wrong word that we didn't get the playoffs. I think it's more of you know what we actually didn't do bad considering all things considered. I mean, what what sort of positives can you take out of this season? Well, clearly the youth, the youth players that have come through, 100%. You know, the owner, Mr Morris, has talked about the, the Derby way. And I think this season, it's probably come a, a earlier than some of the younger players thought it would do. Um, but nevertheless, you know, when, you know, whenever you get the opportunity, you have to be ready as a football player. It's one of my favourite sayings is, don't get ready, be ready. Yeah. And you have to say the younger players that have come in, they've been fantastic. Jaden, of course, who we think now is like a, an old season pro. But nevertheless, still turned 20 years old, I think it was yesterday. Yeah. It was fantastic. Fantastic. You know, he'll, he'll, have his, he'll have his doubters because my era, you know, defenders defended. But now the fullback role has changed so much. It's about how many crosses you can get in. How many times can you get him into the final third and different things like that. So for him, you know, the likes of all the players, Max Bird, who for me is, he, he has been player of the year for me. Yeah. Uh, not young player, he's been player of the year for me. He really has. He's been that good, I think. The arrival of Wayne Rooney has, has helped him massively. Sure. But I think because all the, all, at the start of the season or when Max came into it, he's had to wait for his opportunity. You know, Jaden got in, Knighty got in, in I, think, I think, before Max, if I'm, if I'm right. So, got, it, got his, um, made his name in the team. Yeah. Max had to be patient. I'm not sure whether it, whether it was, but it was in around the same time. Max had to be patient. Um, and I always spout on about, when, when I hear them talk and do interviews, that, for me, speaks a lot about how they play. And you listen to Max talk, and for a young lad of, of how old, he speaks really well on camera. Mm. He's very calm, very cool, very relaxed. And that's how he plays. Yeah. Exactly. He never gets flustered. You know, he, he, can, he can play the long ball. He can play the short ball. He never, ever seems to get flustered. So, the positives this season, I think there's an awful lot. Yeah. An awful lot. I think with what happened with uh, the drink driving incident, I think that, that for me... Everything then could have turned nasty for Cocky, I, I believe, at that time. But I yeah. think that at that time, then, he brought the whole football club together. He really didn't. It could have gone one way or the other. Yeah. But if for whatever reason, as I said, I, I, he won me over. He wasn't... He, when you watch him sometimes, I think, oh, come on, come on, just jump around, flail your arms around a bit. <laughs> but that's not the type of guy he is. No. He isn't that guy. But when you see him do it, you think, oh, yeah, and you love him. You want to put your arms around him. Yeah, yeah. He went through a tough time at the start, but but in the end, listen, he's got the he's got the players playing some played really good football. Yeah, because I mean, well, I think you've said it there. He's now got them playing some really good football, um, and I think they struggled to adapt to his ways, especially I think more the the, the sort of seasoned pros, if you like. You know, they say you, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, obviously you can, um, but obviously the young kids that have come through, the likes of Max Bird, your Jason Knight, your Sibleys now. Your, your Bogles, even even Max Lowe, and now obviously final day of the season, Morgan Whitaker. I mean, you you've watched these guys as well, doing your your, your analysis with with Rams TV. You've you've sat and watched these with with Owen Bradley. Uh, and how how does it feel for you? Because you've seen these guys play in 18s, 19s, 23s, and now they've taken that step into the first team. How how, how does that feel? You, you must feel almost like a proud dad that you've seen this yeah. happen. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult because as a manager, even when Jaden got put into the team, from watching him, because he didn't really play many 23s games. He, he was playing mm. in the 18s. Yeah. And then he played a couple of games in the 23s and then got through in. 
Um, and listen, it can be sink or swim. It really can. It's that cutthroat. So it's certainly in a club like Derby as well. You won't get many chances. But, you know, he showed his true qualities early on in the game. Of course, he's going to have many things that he needs to work on. But, but, but listen, he was in the, his first season with Frank, he was incredible. Yeah. He really was incredible. But then you go to the second season syndrome and, and the, you know, listen, the, the club's gone through a little bit of turmoil. Um, his form has dipped a little bit, which you'll always get with younger players. That yeah. will always happen. You always get inconsistencies. Yeah. So, you know, I think the future's bright for the football club. I think the difficulty we have is keeping hold of him. That yeah. will be the difficulty because you get players like like Sibley who I've, I've banged on for I don't know how long. I think he, you know, but I can understand again why um, Cocky wouldn't put him in. And that was simply because of his temperament. Yeah. You know, I think in his first game at Stoke, he got booked within about a minute. when he. I, did, I think he came on a sub at Stoke and yeah. got booked st- straight away. He's been so, sort of every game he's played post-lockdown as well, it feels yeah, like, as well. He's an incredible talent. And I just think he's got, an, he's got a good football brain. And I think him moving from... Because they, they use him a little bit defensively, I thought. I think with him moving further forward, yeah. I think with him and Chris Martin, he links up really well with Chris Martin. They seem to have that telepathic um, relationship where you know where one knows where the other one's going to be. He moves, gets in decent space. They play close together as well, which is very good. Yeah. So a knight as well, really, who who goes through games, he comes off, he's probably scored one or two goals, and not many people talk about him. Very underrated player, I think. Massively. Um, I think he's he scored six goals this season. You know, and he got I think it was two on the bounce post lockdown, but no one, you know, he's not everyone talks about Sibley, everyone talks about Bird, but Jason Knight just he's got bags of energy. He reminds me of a of a very young Craig Bryson, the way he the way he gets yeah. on the park. Uh, and also, he's, he's, he's really composed in front of goal. Considering he's, what, 18, 19, his composure in front of goal. You know, he doesn't get many chances, but when he does, he, I think I saw a stat where he, I think he scored about, about 53% of the, chance of, uh, of the shots on target he had. And that's saying something. And he's very, very underrated. And we have got... That is one good thing, I suppose, of him going under the radar, is that he is under the radar. Yeah. So, we have got that sort of safety net of maybe potentially keeping him and not being scouted by someone else. Because yeah, I, I totally think... agree. And I think with Morgan as well, with Morgan Whitaker, like the other lads that we've talked about, the likes of Jason Knight, Sibley, Max Burton, Jay, they've all had their, they all had their moments in games. Yeah. And you was just waiting for Morgan just to have that one moment. It's not really gone for him for whatever reason. And then he got his opportunity, which you have to say Jack Merritt did incredibly well for him. Yeah. He missed his first attempt. And then the ball, I don't know how, bounced straight back to him. And he, he should have got his head took off, really. The defender yeah. should have just took his head off. But he stuck his head in there and got his goal. And it, it didn't matter how he was going to score. It really yeah. didn't. But you could see him grow. As soon as he scored, it, within that after oh. five or ten minutes after that, you could see him grow. And then his involvement in the next goal for, for Sibley yeah. was yeah, sublime. It's it it lovely to see. All of a sudden, they became that player that we see regularly in the under-23s, like, say, full of confidence and his little touch to Sibley and the way Sibley put it away. Yes. Just, it was unbelievable. You just, you just, that was made at more farm. I think uh, Owen, Owen was, <laughs> Owen used, didn't he? <laughs> well, that's what I said. It was like, it was like, it was like looking into the future. Yeah. The Derby after that game, you've got Max Bird walking off as captain. Yeah. And then that little link up play for the, for the third goal was just, just sublime. It really was. It was lovely to see them lads on the pitch all together. Brilliant. Oh yeah. I think West Brom, I think there was nine, Nine yeah. under under twenty three, well, academy graduates. Sorry, on the pitch, and you just look at them, you think, okay, 
couple of years, these guys are going to be, this is going to be our starting lineup. And, you know, whether it be the Championship or the Premier League, they're going to be there if we can keep hold of them. I think we will, to be honest. Um, I've got a feeling that we, Mel's not going to be selling him for cheap. Um, I think he will put a price tag on him. I mean, we've just seen Jude Bellingham go for was it 25 million. You know, so if that, that, that shows that, you know, Mel, don't be scared to put a price tag on him. Because clubs, you know, if you want to get your money's worth, you know, clubs are paying a lot, especially abroad, paying a lot for young English talent, which we've got that in abundance now. We always do seem to be a club, I feel, though, Simon. It's always been shortchanged with our mm. with our players that we've sold on. I really do feel that. And, yeah, I look at the likes of Bellingham. I know he's only 17, but 25 million. Four <laughs> goals, 25 million. And you got the like, then I watched Sibley, who's, what was Sibley, 18? Yeah, 18. 18, I think he is. I mean, crikey. And you he's know, got, what, five he's got goals to, he, and 11 or something like that. Yeah, I mean, ridiculous. So how, how they valued that at 25 million compared to him. You know, I mean, what valuation would they put on Sibley after that? I don't know. I really don't <laughs> know. Silly money. <laughs> I don't either. I don't. So we've touched on the positives then. Now, obviously, I think the main, one of the main talking points, despite COVID this season, would be the drink drive incident right at the start of the season. Um, and you mentioned it as well, Koku, how well Koku and the club handled that. Um, now, if we can, um, obviously go into your sort of past, um, well-documented about the issues that you face as a player, you know, uh, addiction to uh, drugs and, and alcohol. Yeah. Um, obviously, that was a big mental challenge on you. And I, I mean, obviously at the time, Tom Lawrence, you know, his, his, he was obviously still grieving the passing of his parent. Uh, I think it was one word, not it? Um, yeah. If you could go, you know, if... If you could have done, you know, what what would you have maybe said to him, or would you could you, you know, would you have liked to have put an arm around him and said, look, Tom, you know, this is this is what you need to do, you know, let me give you my experience and let me help you, let me guide you. I mean, would would that be something you could have done or wanted to do? Yeah, well, I mean, my scenario was very much like what Tom's was when I was at West Brom. Um, my dad passed away when I was playing at West Brom, and that's when I was in full flow of doing what I was doing on my drug taking and my alcoholism. So I understood completely what he was going through. Um, I think it was very brave to keep it all under lid as much as he could do. You know, he never came out and used that as an excuse. Mm. He really didn't. And I thought, fair play to him. Yes, he was frustrating Tom Lawrence to watch. But, but yeah. I, I, once I heard about, you know, what had gone off, I understood it then. I really understood it. So quite clearly, everyone at the football club knew what he was going through as well. So, you know, but because I'd been through it, I just I just offered my hand. I said, listen, I'm here if you want to speak. I, I do go around to football clubs anyway and talk about my testimony. And I give that out to players. Then I get called back to, you know, to speak to players. And it was always there. And it still is. Yeah. To Tom, until it's any player, you know, Richard Keir or Mason. I spoke to Mason after, um, you know, after, straight after it had happened. So that was always there. But, you know, I'm not here to judge people. No. How can I? Because I've done exactly what they've done. So I've probably done worse, actually. Yeah. So I'm not here to judge what they've done. Um, I'm just here to pass on experience and how... Our, it's different for these boys because of the, the social media, you know, element nowadays. Yeah. If I was a manager, and it'd be very difficult, if I was a manager, I'd say, just don't be on it. What? I don't understand why a player... I was talking about today with a friend, actually. Certainly in the premiership, why would you need to be on Twitter or Instagram? I just do not understand it because the adulation you get as a footballer, surely on Instagram, you're only on there for adulation. 
yeah. and lights and, and things like that, really. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, as a professional footballer in the Premiership and the Championship, you get in the Premiership, you're getting 50, 60, 70,000 people watching you every week. Mm. Everyone knows who you are. And in the Championship, look, we're getting 28, 30s when the crowds were there. Yeah, yeah. So, you're getting the adulation there. So, the need for Twitter and the need for Instagram, I, I don't get it. And I advise my players not to be on it, in all honesty. Interesting. Uh, that's that is a point I know because someone I, I actually saw a, a Twitter user bring that up actually um, because you know sometimes as fans we do tag players in tweets that are, you know abusive tweets that are aimed at. Look at the Ben Amos situation for example. Yeah. You know, and the question was raised: Well, why? What are they doing on social media? Or because obviously you can make your social media private as well. So if you did want to use it to, yeah. you know, obviously socialize with other players perhaps or uh, you know friends and family things like that then yeah fair enough you sure because I think Richard Keogh ended up putting his private because the amount of abuse he got off off Derby fans a few years back um, and you know that's fair enough but yeah it, it does it brings up a good point to be honest about obviously social media because I think as well obviously with the drinking with that night that was a sanctioned night out now for me we all saw the season before under Lampard they had a lot of nights out you know, we saw all yeah. this across social media. They were always, you know, seemed to have a good time. They were always down at the joiners, I think it is, in, uh, in uh, is it Alistair? Um, they're all down Corned. there. Corned, and that's it. Um, they're all down there. And we saw that every weekend. And then all of a sudden, it stopped. So and I thought, maybe Koku's a bit stricter when it comes to players going out. I mean, did you ever, ever have any managers? I know it's a different era, but... Yeah. Did you have managers at your time? Obviously, you, like, you know, you, you've admitted you you're an alcoholic and yeah. you, you admitted you're an alcoholic from a very young age. One, how did you manage to keep playing at a professional level as a, an alcoholic and, and, and an addict? Um, yeah. And two, did you have managers that said, right, you cannot booze or you can only have a drink on, on a Saturday night or something like that? Well, <laughs> I tell people this story. When I, when I was at Derby, when Arthur Cox got the sack and Roy McFarlane was manager, he called me into the office one day and he told me, he says, uh, listen, he says, there's a rumours going around that we've heard that you're taking drugs. And I said, Gaffer, I says, oh. and then I, my head went down. He realised, I says, listen, Gaffer, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I says, when I got injured and did my knee against Millwall, I was out for a few weeks and I says, I was a bit down. I said, I did try some. And I says, honestly, I've never tried it since. Mm. And he went, oh, okay, son. And he bent down underneath his desk and give me, uh, <laughs> he came out with a present. He says, here, this is for you for being the best trainer of the week and give me 24 cans of lager. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It sent me home. Oh. So I went straight home and obviously got a all down my leg. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, well, <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, Roy, I love Roy. Loved yeah. him. He was my manager. At, uh, I was his captain at Chesterfield. And, of course, he wasn't to know. And, as an addict and as an alcoholic, you, you are the most persuasive, vindictive, mm. lying, you know, conniving person there is around. There really yeah. is. And I'd have done anything to allow me to keep doing what I was doing. And I, and I did that. Um, and, and it wasn't until I got caught that I thank the Lord that I got caught when I did. Yeah. Because otherwise I'd have, I'd have killed myself, definitely. 100%. Wow. But, but yeah, I mean, the culture's changed massively. That's not to say there still isn't a problem in football, though. Yeah. There's still a problem with drugs. There's still a problem with drink. That's in society. Yeah, yeah. Society, you know, it's just, it's just not football. Mm. The lads in football, you know, people said to me, well, is it because you've got money and is it because, you know, you do this and that? No, if I, if I was a, a postman, it's just my personality. That's, that's, that was me. 
Yeah. You know, because of some things that happened as a childhood, it made me the way that I was. And I was very insecure as a, as a young kid growing up. You know, I was barely a mute at school. I couldn't talk, which which is kind of, yeah, I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk, <laughs> couldn't talk to people one-on-one like this, which is kind of ironic now because now I get paid to do it yeah. on uh, with Rams TV, which is something I have to talk about in my talks because it was a fear. Even when I finished playing football, I knew that I had a fear of talking in front of people. And I got offered one opportunity to talk uh, in front of some labs about it. I thought, right, this is it. I have to do it. I've yeah. got to do it. And I went and spoke. I went out afterwards after about 45 minutes an hour and threw my ring up. I absolutely spewed everywhere. <laughs> I thought, I've got to do it again. So I went to the next one because yeah. I'm stubborn. Yeah, I thought, yeah. I've got to keep doing it. And eventually, after three or four, I'd stopped. <laughs> but I just knew I had to overcome the fear because if I don't overcome the fear, it's going to keep me prisoner. And it's something that I want to do, you say. I want to, it's going to yeah, stop yeah. me from, from helping people. And then I've been very fortunate to, to get hold of one or two players, and not just football players, but people, anyone. Yeah. But footballers, because I've obviously gone through the experience myself. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate enough, as I said, to, to help one or two. So, yeah, it's been, it's been a journey and a half, I have to say. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, you, you obviously mentioned that you were an alcoholic, especially from a young age. Um, but what was your attitude like? To football now, because I know obviously sometimes um, young players, I, I guess, can you know be tarnished with that sort of attitude of I've made it now. Um, I'm in the you know I'm playing a professional football. I, you know, lads in the Premier League, yeah, you know, they 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 get this sort of attitude. Did did you have that attitude, and and or, or were you just well, I've got an I, you know, did could you ever admit to yourself you you had a problem with alcohol and, and drugs, or it was just this is my life. I'll kick a ball. Then no. I'll, I'll have, I've, yeah, I'll never, never would I, never would I admit that ever. No. Um, and very, and what you do as well, when you are like that, you don't hang around with people that that's going to tell you that Yeah. you hang around with people that are like-minded, like you, like you. Yeah. That's, that's what they say. You, you, if you, if you want to know, if you want to know what you like, look at your friends. Yeah, yeah. So whichever club I went to, you know, I, I found the people that were, were like me that went out drinking, went out using drugs mm. and getting into trouble. And, and, and that's the way that it was. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, as a, as a player, you know, I was always first on the training ground and, yeah. I, and I'd be last off and I, and I wouldn't, I'd give, I had to train how I played and mm. it angers me. It angers me sometimes when I see, I think players on, sometimes I watch players walking off the pitch and I think, you know, have you given everything, everything, yeah. but not everyone's like me. Not everyone's like, we're all different. Yeah. You know, we are we are all different, but I wasn't good enough to be able to like just switch it on like that. I had to train how I played, and that's how I had to do it. And I only think it's the elite players that have a, a switch where they can go switch yeah. right. This is it. Now we do it. Yeah. If any, anywhere below the below the Premiership, you got to train like you play. And yeah. I always say to the kids that you must treat every single training session like it's your last. Every session, every session, because like you say. Kids now they get a, they get a Derby County shirt at under eight, under elevens, under twelves, and you'll think they've made it. Yeah, yeah. You know they're walking around with the nice bags, and that's all fantastic. But they're getting given so much at such a young age, and that's not their fault, by the way. It's not their fault at all. But it's just the way that football has gone. And when I, for me, I was I joined Apprentice when I was fifteen. I did a year's apprenticeship, and then this, I signed me when I was sixteen. So I made my debut when I was sixteen. So it's completely different now. Yeah, yeah, completely different for me. I, I'd find it difficult to be a young footballer today. I've got to be honest because of one, 
they do they they kind of bring education into it as well which i hated school <laughs> so it, it would have been sweet and sour for me so that would have seriously put me off actually yeah. being a footballer knowing that you've got to do education as well because i just right. I, I had an awful time at school awful time so when you say you did an apprentice what what did that intake did that not in, in intake obviously playing but also you know did you have to do schoolwork as well or was it simply just sort of you play football if you're good enough we'll sign you if you're not we'll pack your bags well the, the apprenticeship then was you was cleaning boots exactly yeah. how it used to be cleaning boots cleaning balls you was setting the kits up mm. you was washing the kit you know in the summer you was painting stands you know at Lincoln City we had to paint all the stands in, in, the, in, the, in the ground we would paint like the um you know where people used to stand up in the in the stands. Yeah, yeah. All the bars there would paint all them. It was just <laughs> completely different to how they have it now. We'd be cutting <laughs> grass. We'd be helping the groundsman. Absolutely, but it was all character building. Yeah, yeah. Character building. It was. It was just you know, I loved every single day of it. Every day, but some days it was ridiculously hard. But mm. I, I just loved it. Yeah, yeah. So you got your big move to to Derby. Is it nineteen ninety two? Yeah. Under Arthur Cox, it must have been then. What what was that like? What you know? Because well, there was speculation for a long time that I was going to uh, for Wimbledon, um, and Derby came in uh, right at the last minute. Yeah, and I think Derby was initially after John Beresford, who went to Newcastle. Mm -hmm. um, but then Steve Thompson, the manager at Lincoln, called me over and says, "Oh, he says um, Derby's put a bid in for you. Yeah, you know they want you to go and talk to him." So, all right, I've never been to Derby in my life ever. I'm just from a little village. Um, so I got one of the older players to drive me over, Paul Ward. Didn't have an agent, nothing. So we're driving over. I said, What do I ask for? I ain't got a clue. What you know, what, yeah. what do I ask for? Anyway, we got there and um <laughs> he dropped me off at the ground and I'd gone in and I'm sat in this big in the um boardroom at Dart the baseball ground. Yeah. And he's like a huge oak table there and there's me sat at one end and then Mr. Cox walked in. Yeah. I mean, he had, he had a presence about him and, <laughs> I, and I thought, whatever he's got in his hand, whatever he's offering me, right, I'm signing it, whatever it is, because he scared the life out of it. <laughs> um, but we had a good chat and um, I signed my contract and then he left me then. He wanted me to play a reserve game. If I'd signed, he wanted me to like play a reserve game that night. Yeah. So he didn't give me no hotel to go and sleep or anything like that. He said, you can go and sleep in the physio's room, in Gordon Guthrie's room. That's what he says, right? <laughs> so I'm going to get down in there. I'm in there on my own. It's pitch black. I was scared oh. to death. Oh, my God. Um, and then I played that I played that night. Hilarious. Who did you hilarious. play against? Can you remember? Um, uh, I can't remember. I can't remember. You must be able to remember who your debut was against, though. Oh, my debut, yeah. My debut was Leicester. Yeah. The local Leicester derby, City, yeah. it? How is that? I mean, who? Obviously, I think you're from Newark, aren't you? Around yeah. that sort of area. Who? Who was you? Who did you support growing up? Man United as a as a kid when my dad was, my dad was alive. Yeah. He, because he loved Georgie best, so um, it I, it was a Man United thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but then obviously being being here from moving to Lincoln to here, um, I just became like a Derby fan when I left. You know, I'd come and watch the lads and yeah. Uh, and always, as a result, I'd always look forward to. You just really look forward to and support yeah. them. So, so did you sort of know? Obviously, you obviously you obviously must have known the sort of rivalry that we had back then with obviously the likes of Leicester and Forest and yeah, 
Here's, here's you walking onto your, you're making your debut against one of our, our local rivals. That must have been some sort yeah. of buzz. Playing at the baseball ground as well. Oh, <laughs> there's nothing like driving to the baseball ground on a, on a, like a Tuesday night. Yeah. You know, you could, you could see the lights. Yeah. It's just like, just unbelievable, electrifying. And I'm playing against them as well. Because I think Phil G was playing actually as well, if he I remember right. Been. He must have been, I think yeah. Phil was playing, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was packed. The atmosphere was hostile. Um, by that time, then, I'd got to meet all my mates, all my mates, all my derby mates, and uh, yeah. they was all down in the, in the pop side. Now, it was just like, yeah, the atmosphere was incredible. <laughs> incredible there. Electric. I think we won as well. Was it 2 nothing? I think uh, Gabby Adini scored, didn't he? I yeah. Know one of them. I mean, that's that's another thing. Some of the players that you played with back then oh. as well, you know, Craig, like, Craig Short, he must have been there. Yeah, sure. he came uh, just after. Ted McMinn, was he still Ted? there? Um, Dini, Tommy Johnson, Pitson, Johnson, Pembridge. Yeah, that was it. Mark Pembridge, another Gary one. Gary Charles. Yeah, Paul Simpson. I mean, some great players, some really, really good players. Well, yeah, yeah, very fortunate. And then, obviously, the season after it would have been. That was my first. This was my first derby game that I actually went to, and it was the Anglo-Italian Cup final. What was it? It was yes. My dad took me to Wembley. Um, I think we got. I think we lost three one or something like that. We got. We got yeah, it was Cremonese. Yeah, did, did we take the lead as well? I think. I think Mark. Yeah. Pem- was it Mark Premier just scored that game? Yeah. It was. See, it's there. It's in there somewhere. But I mean, as as obviously a football fan, that's that obviously you you obviously as a kid were. Surely playing at Wembley must have been a dream. Oh. Just, absolute dream. Yeah, I mean. Well, the, the story in my contract, mm. it said that if I play ten games in a row, right, I get a hundred pound a week rise. Okay, yeah. I'd played nine games in a row, right. So Wembley was going to be my tenth, and all the lads are going, "You've got no chance." He says he did it. To, he did it to Brucey Forsyth. He played in for nine games and dropped him. I thought, oh, come on, please. So I'm panicking, thinking I want an extra hundred pound a week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but anyway, we got to Wembley, and he, and he chose me to play. And it was just just amazing that the warm up was the best thing because there's no pressure in the warm up. You can have a mess around a little, just relax. But but yeah, I mean, the whole weekend was, was incredible, absolutely fantastic. I loved it, even even though it was a loss, just just a great experience. Yeah, well, there was I can't remember much of the game. Like I said, I think it was about must have been about five six years old then. So. Yeah, but yeah, as a player, I mean, to play at Wembley must have been obviously. One tick ticked off the bucket list, really. Yeah, um, definitely. Yeah. I mean, then we had the playoffs the season after, didn't we? Um, yeah. And you played the semi final in that horrible, horrible game against Millwall. Millwall. Yeah. What was that like? Being chased off the pitch. Yeah. Well, I was on the bench. Yeah. And I was sat next to Dean Sturridge on the bench. Yeah. And before we went out. The 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 um, the referees came in and had a chat with us and says, "Listen, you're going to have like twenty or thirty undercover police in and around the bench, you know, just in case anything goes off." So, oh, okay, no problem, because we didn't think nothing would. Yeah. And because there were so many undercover police at the bench, all we could see sat on the bench was just straight in front of you. You couldn't see nothing to the left or nothing to the right. Yeah. Nothing at all. So it's about I don't know how long it was in 10, 15 minutes into the game. Mm. Mickey Forsyth was <laughs> he went down the left wing. He overlapped, but you could see all you could see him was flying down the left. All we could see was for like six yards of us, it was right in front of us in front of the bench. Next, within 
two seconds is flying back the opposite way. But he's got three or four fans chasing him on the pitch. <laughs> That's what we can see. And the next thing you know, I think I think it was um, Gary Charles. I think he got kicked over. Martin Taylor oh, got legged over in the box. I, I got really upset then because I was a goalkeeper when I played football and Martin Taylor was yeah. a big hero of mine. I thought, oh, hopefully he's not hurt him. I was a big fan of Martin Taylor. But yeah, he got... He got, I think he got legged up or something. I was yeah, like, he did, yeah. It's I just scary. remember... It was scary. Oh. I mean, we was in the players' bar after the game. Yeah. And it was burning the uh, radio derby cars and all sorts. Scary. Yeah. I was going to say, because I remember Graham Richards, he was he was going nuts on the radio. I, was just, I remember I was listening to the radio with my dad and Graham Richards was, was going absolutely mad. He couldn't believe what was happening. There's mindless thugs and it was like... <laughs> <laughs> you're thinking, I'm thinking, what... What, what must it have felt like for the players sat on the bench and suddenly you see hundreds of these Millwall fans just coming at you and then yeah, awful. Was, it, was it ever a point you thought come on ref just just call it a day now we've won they're not they're not catching us up you know just just let us go well, home Arthur, Co- Arthur Cox's words to us was when we went out he says don't nobody run <laughs> you stand that's what exactly they were exactly his words don't nobody dare run you've got to stand but, oh wow okay yeah, right, right. <laughs> brilliant. Uh, what an uh, offer. <laughs> so, we, anything offer says we do. If he says jump, we jump. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Wow, that 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 must be some of those sticks sticks in yeah, your mind. Brilliant. Wow. Obviously, then the final. Um, you missed out, didn't you? Yeah. Was was that injury or? No. No. Prison. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's uh, that's one way. Yeah, what? I was, I was otherwise you, engaged time. Right. Can can you tell us why or Yeah, I um so it was in your contract that you're not you're not supposed to go out 20, 48 hours for a game. Yeah. So the game was a Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I went out on the Wednesday. Um I thought I had my last drink before we go down to to Wembley because we was going on the Thursday. Mm. Um, and I went out and we got into, I got into some bother in town. There was a bit of a big fight in the middle of town. I got arrested and they kept me. Um, there was three of us. Two of them got let off and I, I was kept in the police holes. Um, they took me down. I got my phone call to make. So I'm going to phone my missus, my mum or the manager up. So I thought I better phone the manager up because we're supposed to be leaving in the morning. Mm. And I phoned him up and I explained to him, I've got about, three lines out he'd slammed the phone down on me this was on a Sunday night yeah slammed it straight down because I explained where I was um, and I went up to court in the morning from the police cell up at uh, Full Street mm-hmm. and from there I got sent straight to Leicester Prison um, ironic which I, yeah which is kind of a bit ironic as well that I was there so I'm sat in Leicester Prison in a 10 by 10 whatever it was when the uh, my mates are walking out to Wembley which was I mean, I laugh about it now, but it, but it saddens me, you know, if yeah. I'm honest, because it, you know, played at Wembley against Cremonese, but to play against your local rivals mm. with hundred thousand people there, I mean, come on, yeah. you know, because for me, for football, it wasn't about never about the money. It was about it was about how many, you know, the big games, the big crowds, the you know, and that was that was it. Yeah. But yeah. it was uh, listen, it was my own fault, so um, I had to pay the price for that. Yeah, and I mean. <laughs> Did you regret doing it then? Did nothing go, I need to stop doing this now? Or I, it just, well, it's happened. 
Yeah, well, I don't regret. I mean, it sounds awful. I don't regret anything that I've done in my life. I can't do because it's made me what I am today. That, that's that, that's the truth. Yeah. It saddens me because I missed out on um, a great opportunity. But you, you can't go through life thinking, oh, what if, what if, what if. You know, I can't, I'm not going to, you know, sit and sulk about what I've done. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a lot of apologies to make to people over the years about things that I had done and how I've treated people. And I've done that. So for me, it was about just about building things back up. Then once I stopped drinking, it was about, you know, finding who I am. Yeah. yeah. Because for, for years and years and years, I'd, I'd like just flooded my body with drinking alcohol, you know, and um, that's how I dealt with my emotions because mm. I couldn't deal. I couldn't deal with life. You know, yeah, every yeah. football club I've been at, I've been, I've been given awards for being the best trainer. Mm-hmm. But, I was, but I only trained like I did because I never wanted to go home. I never yeah. wanted, and you know, I loved the game, but I never wanted to go. I never wanted training to end. I didn't want games to end. No. I'd be looking at the clock in the eighth, ninth minute, and thinking, "Well, oh, it's nearly finished. It's nearly finished." Because I didn't want it to end. Because I, I struggled in normal yeah. life, you know. So, but you know, I thank I thank the Lord again that I did eventually get myself sorted out. Yeah, I mean, was that sort of a turning point? The prison of sort of right? No, no, I'm on about. Was that why you got? Was that part of the reason you got? You went to West Brom after that, didn't you? Was yeah. That sort of the reason why it was sort of like, hmm, sort of could be a bad apple in the changing room sort of thing. Was that? Did that? Did it feel like that? Yeah, I point? mean, yeah, I mean, I, I don't blame Jim for getting rid. It was Jim that was manager, and he came in and he he said he was bringing Chrissy Powell in, yeah. who was a very good player, <laughs> very very good player. But um, I have no doubt that I was moved on because because I was trouble. Yeah, and I was—I was never—I was always polite, and I, I wasn't a bad apple, so to speak, caused yeah, in the yeah. changing room. But I'd get in trouble, you know, when I when I'm out and that because because that's what I was just—that's just what I was. I was a bit of a rogue, so um, so I don't blame any of the managers that have done what they've done at yeah, all. Yeah. Um, you know, for some of them, I actually thank them. You know, so um, so yeah. I've, I mean, of course, West Brom's where it probably I think was your worst time is where you finally got caught and and got well sacked I suppose and <laughs> banned from football um I mean how how did you get caught I mean yeah obviously you said you said you've obviously mentioned you sort of lived like a life where you didn't sort of socialize with you know, the, the the sort of normal people that would tell you no you, you're with, within a bad crowd I mean what what would surely as a, as a footballer you'd you'd know that you'd get tested for Obviously, drugs. Yeah, um, yeah. How? We how, did. How their of... test sign was always a Monday. Oh, so it's not so random. They always tested it early on when they first started testing. It was always a Monday. Yeah. yeah. So I just won't go in Mondays. Right. I'd phone up. I'd be ill, or I'd do. I'd do something. Yeah, yeah. You see. So, but then when I got tested, when I got done the first time, what I did, I asked, I paid somebody to to lie for me, uh, in front okay. of the FA. Okay. Um. It was a friend, but we made out we didn't know each other. I got away with it. Wow. And it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm able to continue yeah, yeah. doing what I'm doing. Um, and then, But then what they said then, they said, right, we're, we're going to randomly test you now. So it won't just be a Monday. We'll, we can come to test you whenever we want. Thought, yeah. oh, wow, I have to be a bit careful. So I just carried my own, I carried my own sample around with me. I stayed clean for two weeks. Yeah. I peed in a bottle. And then I, I, I took that round, added my wash bag and continue to uh, walk around it in my wash bag. If I'd ever get tested, I'd use that when the testers came. Right, wow. They came at West Brom, gave them it, I passed it. I went straight back out of that following the following week. Mm-hmm. Um, 
did what I wanted to do. You know, I got off my head. Uh, I went back on the Monday morning and the testers were there, two weeks running, which I never, ever, I've never heard of that. Never heard of that. Because I'd used my sample for the first one to get away with it. I thought, yes, I'm all right. I'm I'm through. So that's when I went out to uh, do what I did, come back, and then the, the testers were there again. And I remember them being there and it was like training went into slow motion. Yeah. And it was like I was on in mud. And I remember um, Lee Hughes was there and he said to me, he said, have you seen who's coming? And I, oh, yeah. and I saw them. And the things that went through my head was like, I mean, the stupidest things was, right, I'll pretend I'm having a heart attack. I thought of that. I thought I'm just going to run up and smack somebody just so I can get away. Yeah, yeah. But eventually they walked over and what they say, they say they draw numbers out of a hat to see who's going to get tested. Mm. Well, they must have just had 25 Shane Nicholson's there because mine, <laughs> mine got drawn out straight away. Um, so they expected that. I went, yeah, I, I went into the shower and when, they, when the testers come, they virtually hold your hand wherever you go. They don't let you go. My so God. virtually, I mean, other than holding it for you, they, they stay <laughs> side by side, side by side. Wow. And I took... I took my, I took my, um, I said I'm gonna have to have a shower. Yeah. So I said okay. I quickly go have a shower. I took my clothes with me in the shower cubicle and jumped out, <laughs> jumped out the window <laughs> naked and jumped in my car and just drove home. <laughs> just drove back to Derby, and oh. because I thought my, my my logic was if I don't do the test, yeah, then they can't fail me. Yeah. So I got home. I turned my phone off, and by the time I got back from West Brom to Derby, I turned my phone back on. I walked into me uh, into my house. I shut my curtains, and it's like oh, it's, that's what I did with everything. I just buried my head yeah, yeah. under the sand all the time with everything, and that was that was no different. And by the time I'd put the telly back on, you know, it was already on Sky that that, that I'd been, you know, I ran off without doing a test, and for yeah. oh gosh, I better phone my missus up. Yeah. So I phoned her. She came home to me after work, and I explained to her what had gone off. And it's then when I had to get in touch with. The Brendan Batson, who was the PFA chairman or mm. something to do with the PFA at the time. And I explained to him what had gone off. And he said, well, we'll explain it to the FA, but you'll have to have a big meeting. We went to the big meeting and that's where they said, you're banned indefinitely for life. I said, oh, yeah. wow. Uh, right. But deep down, subconsciously, I always felt that I would get another opportunity to play again. I don't know why, I just did. Yeah. But I have to say that was second on my mind. I just wanted to get in the clinic and just get 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 sorted just yeah. get sorted and when i got there it was like i'd had a block of flats just lifted off my shoulders it was unbelievable yeah, yeah, that, yeah. scary but of course it is yeah. because you become vulnerable but um but nevertheless it was you know it was a very very good my long was there for three and a half months in southampton um and wow. my missus that mum and dad or my mum would come up and see me there yeah for about an hour, then that's all I allowed to have. Just one hour, then drive back from Southampton, back to Derby and back to Newark. Yeah. And I saw them probably about once in three and a half, four months. So it was tough, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, sympathy isn't what I wanted. I mean, obviously you mentioned your missus. Did she know that you said you lived a double yeah. life? Did she know everything? Did she know about yeah, yeah. the drink and the drugs and everything? Yeah, she knew. And even she couldn't yeah, maybe she, sort you she, out she, or anything. Yeah, she, she's been um, through everything with me. Every, yeah. Everything. And in fact, she went on to do, I mean, she's a psychotherapist now and counselor and psychotherapist. So mm. she went to, to university to do that. 
after going through what what we went through because yeah. because I mean I put her through an awful lot, an yeah. awful lot, you know. So it's, it's not just me that um, I, I put her right through it. So mm. fortunately for me, I had my kids after, um, so they didn't see me. They know everything, but they didn't yeah. see, but they didn't see me like that. Um, but Joe's my wife. She was um, yeah. She went she went through it all with me. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible. So you got the ban. You went to rehab. All of a sudden, you you play you're playing again for Chesterfield, something you thought you'd never do. Well, you you said you'd be playing again, but obviously you were banned for life. How, how, yeah. did, how did that happen? How did it happen? Or how did it feel? Well, both both. How, yeah. how did you get back into football? Well, it, and then how did it on feel? On my last you? on my last couple of days in the clinic, Brendan, who was um, was who was brilliant, he was he was stepped in contact with me probably once a week while I was there. And he mentioned that, you know, if you come out of here and, you, and the reports are good from the professors and the doctors and the clinicians and all, and all people like that, you know, there might be an opportunity to get back, but it's, it'll have to go to the, to the board first. Yeah. And he says, if you do, there's a couple of clubs interested. One of them was Chesterfield. One of them was Preston when David Moyes was there. So I went to the hearing and remember David Dean? The, the name Arsenal, yes. He's the Arsenal chairman. Yes. Well, he, he was like the, the head of this chat this right. meeting that I had to go to and I sat down in there and I was with um, I think it was Ray Harford who was manager of West Brom at the time Yeah, and we sat there and I gave her a, 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 bit, of a bit of a speech he spoke to me and, he, and as I got up he says right you can go out for 10-15 minutes while we have a chat and as I got up and I took, he said excuse me can I just ask you a question please this was David Dean and he went yeah he says um, the person that you said spite your drink was you lying about that or telling the truth? Thought, oh wow! <laughs> now do I drop my mate in it? Yeah. Or do I start? To, do I start telling the truth from day one? And and again, I was I was I was made to tell the truth. I told the truth. I says no. I says um, you know I, I, it wasn't his fault. I paid. I gave yeah. him money to lie for me. Uh, and he says right, thank you. I walked out. Was out probably fifteen twenty minutes. I came back in. He says right, you know, give me the opportunity. And I was like oh. For telling, not for telling the truth, but but that helped. Yeah. And him asking me that question, that that that, I'll never ever forget it. It was like my whole life is like hanging on this one question: <laughs> Do I tell the truth or do I lie? Like I have done for the last twenty-seven years. Yeah. yeah. And I obviously told the truth, and then there we go. I got my second chance back in football at Chesterfield. I had to take Chesterfield because I had to continue to do clinic for six right. months in Nottingham. Okay. Um. So Chesterfield was the ideal place. It's only down the road, but. Mm. Going from West Brom to Chesterfield, who were getting kicked off their training grounds every week, was yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know was very different. I have to say, but my time there is well documented. I loved it there. Yeah, I loved, yeah. I loved the football club. My second stint was better than my first. My first, I hated it. Yeah, hated it because my first, it was my first year getting back to playing football without being drunk or so, uh, on drugs. Yeah, yeah, and I found it very difficult. Very difficult. I mean, simply because when. I, was it? Were, do you know when you say obviously you drink and drugs? Was it what drugs? Was it like everything or just yeah? Was it a certain Rec recreational? Type, just just recreational. Speed, coke, acid, herring yeah. pills, all sorts. So it all wasn't anything like, I get my hands on really. No, so it wasn't like um, obviously steroids or anything like that. Then no, 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 no. no, no it was no. recreational. Yeah, yeah. I, I tell you, so you. No wonder you felt like this is tough. <laughs> on that first day back because obviously with all yeah. that 
Well, because it was tough for it because I always played up to an image that I was a big tough man. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how that's how because of, because of my home life as a kid growing up, um, and seeing certain things, I always felt I had to be this tough man. Yeah, yeah. and look after my mum and my two sisters, and I kind of carried that on into into football, and then you become like this. I don't know, like this this like alter ego. You know, when you go on the football. I mean, I was angry when I played anyway because yeah. of how my life was. I was very angry. I could go from one to ten in a, in a flick of a switch. Yeah. yeah. But I liked it all. I liked, I liked everyone that thinking I was tough. And I, I liked that. And it, it was kind of this, this alter ego, I suppose, that you kind of build up. Yeah, yeah. But then going, going back to my first year with Chesterfield, when I'm playing without drinking drugs, thinking, wow, this is going to be different. You know, I'm not going to be able to be, I, I won't be angry. I won't be this. And I won't, I'll be nice. And I'll be apologizing to people. And I don't want, <laughs> I don't want to be doing that. <laughs> but, you know, after, after a few weeks, a few months, that professionalism comes through and then I went on to play for 11 years and clean and sober which which I thoroughly enjoyed, thoroughly yeah. enjoyed. oh no and well like I say obviously you played him so I think you played him to Neil Warnock at one point as well didn't you yeah what was yeah. he is he like you see him because you, you hear him on the radio and talking and things like this he seems like a dead like just a, like someone's granddad yeah I like me fishing I like me cups of tea that sort of thing <laughs> but then on a football pitch Total different person. Is, is, yeah. What was he like as as a manager? You know, out of all, because obviously you 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 had some big managers like your Arthur Coxes, your Roy McFarns, even Jim Smith, although for a very short time. But obviously Neil Warnock as well. You know, some big names in the game there. I mean, out of all those managers, who I'm not going to say your favourite, but who would you say sort of I guess pushed you the most, or you enjoyed playing under the most? Well, first and foremost, if you didn't have rhinoceros skin playing for Neil Warnock, <laughs> you've got no chance. No <laughs> chance. I mean, I, I we played we played Burnley when Gaza was playing for Burnley. Yeah, yeah. And it was at Bramall Lane. And I when I first signed for Sheffield United, I heard this story that he sends his um, assistant manager into this little cupboard to listen at half time to what the opposing team are talking about. Right? I went, yeah, whatever, whatever. <laughs> so Kevin Blackwell was the assistant. Right, half time he's disappeared. Yeah. Where's he gone? Anyway, we're getting a talking from from Neil Warnock. We go back out the second half. We see <laughs> see Kevin Blackwell come out of this cover with a black eye. Right, <laughs> so Stan Turnant and uh, Sam Ellis found him in there, belted him, <laughs> sets him on his way. <laughs> Absolutely hilarious. I mean, Warnock, oh, he'll, he'll do anything to win. Yeah, yeah. And I always thought that. I always wanted to play for his teams because playing against them was horrible. Yeah, yeah. And I wasn't, as a player, I wasn't, I wasn't bothered how we played. Mm. You know, I wasn't one of them players that, oh, I want to play football or I just yeah. wanted to win. Yeah. So he, for me, would have been my ideal manager. But then, but then getting there, it was, it was different. I signed there from Stockport. Um, I got a Bosman. But my, my last game for Sheffield, uh, for Stockport, I got sent off at QPR, which meant I was going to be banned for the first three games yeah. for Sheffield United. But I didn't tell him it. And I didn't tell Warnock that right up until probably about two weeks before or about a week before. And he went ballistic. He went <laughs> mad. So he had to loan somebody to start the season to bring him in. <laughs> and that was really how my Sheffield United career went. I was in, yeah. out, in, out, in, out. But he was, I have never met anyone like it. As a man manager, but he was excellent. 
Yeah. Excellent. And if he liked you, he liked you. He had favourites. He made no, he had no quarrels about letting people know who his favourites were. If he was one of his favourites, he was allowed to wear a hat and gloves in training and, and uh, tracksuit bottoms. Michael Brown was his favourite and Phil Jagielka. Everyone else had to wear shorts yeah. yeah, and just jumper. No one was allowed to wear bottoms, only them two. Oh. I mean, brilliant. I loved yeah. that. Loved it. But um, as my best, I liked Ray Harford a lot at yeah. West Brom. Lovely. I mean, he's not with us no more, God bless him, but a lovely guy. But not just because I live here. Just my time at Derby was basically just special for me. Leaving, leaving Lincoln, um, even though I was, you know, not in a good place in my life. Yeah. It, yeah. Just playing for the club was like, I knew how special it was. Them yeah. nights, honestly, on a Tuesday night at the baseball ground were just incredible. They really were. They really were. Um, so, yeah, that, Derby, for sure. Yeah. And now you get to talk about it still on a regular basis, you know, and I think yeah. we, see, we, we hear and see that passion you know, come through when you're on commentary with, with Owen Bradley. You know, there's, I think Leeds away uh, in the playoffs. You went ballistic when uh, oh. Marriott got that goal. You know, you could tell it meant everything that did to you. Um, uh, well, I, oh. I defy anyone not to get excited in that game. Anybody. Yeah. I mean, it was the, one of the most... I've never seen a game like it. Even, even in my playing career, to, to have been involved in a game like that, that was just a special, special... I've got to say, I mean, when Frank was here, I mean, yeah. he, he, I don't blame him for leaving either, but just the whole, just the year, just everything about him, everything was just brilliant. I, yeah, loved, yeah. I loved his time here. I loved the football, the players he brought with him, um, just everything about it. I thought it was fantastic. It really was, but we're in a new era now. Um, but yeah, I mean... The Rams TV thing, I mean, if you'd have said that to me just five years ago, six years, I'd have just laughed at you. What are you talking about? But and here I am giving my opinion on, you know, uh, on football matches. It's hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. But I love it. I love working for the football club. I really do. Yeah. Because really obviously, you, it's obviously not just you. Obviously, you work with uh, Michael Johnson and uh, Mark Edwards yeah. as well, you know. What, to be honest, when you when you watch the shows and stuff like that, and then you think after you think, I bet they're in now. Now they've all had been quite a serious chat. Yeah, I bet they ain't off some banter because you're all footballers in there. And for some reason, I have it in my head. It might not be rude, but I, I have for some reason think that you and the other two would probably wind Owen Bradley up quite a bit. That is what I'm thinking. Am I right or am I wrong? <laughs> <laughs> Well, of course, Owen's got the odd job, hasn't he? Yeah. Well, actually, I, I look at him. Owen's got his, his thing in front of him so he can read off it. I mean, he's just firing questions at us. The yeah. worst two was um, Kev Wilson and uh, Bobby Davidson for, for, <laughs> really? for having to go at uh, Owen. Oh, they never <laughs> left him alone. Never <laughs> left him alone. But, but Owen's, the, you know him, he's the ultimate pro. He's really good yeah. at his job. Really good. And, then, and the other two lads, John Owen, Eddie. Um, I mean, two legends at the football club. Yeah. Won, won loads of in the careers. Eddie's won the championship two or three times. I'm not sure how many, two, at least two times, I think. Yeah. Um, John O's done what he's done. So, yeah, I, I, when, when I go there, Simon, honestly, I feel that privileged and still, I, I have to pinch myself yeah. to, 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 to believe that I'm still doing what I'm doing. I, I, it's, it's that good for me, honestly. Yeah, no. Well, you can, like I said, you can tell when, when you're on comms and, you know, it's not, to be honest, the first time I heard it, I was like, Whoa, are the co-commentators allowed to celebrate that? But I'm thinking, you know what? No, I actually can't. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, I must admit, that's what I've had to try. I've tried to, like, 
not be as biased. That's what I've tried to do because it, you can't, you know, yeah. you, you, I can't, although I do support and want Derby to win the games, mm. I have to give a fair, you know, analysis of the game, which, which I, I feel I've got better at. At yeah. first, it was like, oh, come on, you know, under my breath, I was desperately wanting Derby to win, which yeah. I still do, but I have to I have to be fair, of course, on the analysis. I suppose it's a job that you've sort of had to learn as you're going into it, because like you've just said, you know, you, you want to be biased towards Derby, but at the same time, you've got to give the truth. And, you know, I think, I think it's good that the club allow you to give the truth if we have played bad or poorly or certain players play bad or poorly you are allowed to give obviously genuine criticism with I suppose without being sort of looked at hang about we can't have this guy working here if he's going to be slating the club you know, yeah so. well I'll be honest with you that was when we, when I first took it Mr Morris came in and says you know you have to say say it how you see it yeah. he was the person I thought well if you said that then yeah but you can say it as, as a footballer though and you know it's very difficult to take criticism. It's yeah. all right taking all the plaudits and everything like that, but it's, it's so difficult to take, take criticism. It really is, no matter who's giving you it. You know, and um, some of these players at this football club will go on to do much more than I ever have done in football. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they'll probably look back at this and think, oh, well, you know, who's he? What's he got to say about it? But I, I just hope that I come across fair, um, not too critical. Yeah. Uh, and I don't give a biased view on things. I, I wouldn't want to do that. But, of course, when Derby go out, I want them to win week in, week out. But, if I, if I think a player's having a bad game, I can say that. Yeah, and I would say it. And I would say that he should have done something rather than this. Or what I don't like to say is when you get asked the question about, you know, was he trying or this? Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't because, I, because it's not in my makeup to ever do that. I find it difficult to say, you know, does he give 100% every week? Yeah. And I, I just find that that question really irritating. Do you know what I mean? And people, yeah, yeah, yeah. I do, honestly. But maybe there are players out there that don't give 100%. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not going to answer that question here now, but, you know, clearly there are. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, that's down to them and that's down to the manager to suss that out, isn't it? I'm not yeah, talking yeah. about Derby, by the way. I'm on about it in general. Just in general, yeah, yeah. Well, it leads me on to my next point, actually, because obviously you're, you're well into your fitness. Obviously, you're a sport, is it sports, uh, sport, strength and conditioning coach at Chesterfield. Yeah. Obviously, you do it off the pitch now. Now, one quite big name you've worked with that we've seen across your social media is, is Sadu Berahino. Yeah. Um, obviously, he was a player, again, who had his attitude questioned. Um, now, when it comes to sort of that, do and you hear people talking and think, Hang about, I'm coaching, you know, I'm doing, I know what this guy's like deep inside. And I know he's not got an attitude problem. You know, how, do, how does that make you feel? I mean, what, what's it like working with someone like, with like, well, with like, with like Sado? Yeah, well, as soon as I heard his story, or as soon as I heard that what had happened with him, that's why I wanted to get in touch. And um, someone got me in touch with him. And I knew it wouldn't, everything that I was hearing, there's always two sides to the story, yeah. always. And so Sado's gripe was that, when he was at West Brom, he had the opportunity to go to Tottenham for 20 million, but the club wouldn't let him go. Right. Um, and he spat his dummy out and he, and he reacted in a way that he shouldn't react to. And he knows that. He's held his hands up and, and, and apologised about that. Yeah. Um, but then when he was at Stoke, they tried to sack him for his drink driving offence, uh, which I think is quite ridiculous. Um, but I, I'm not going into the story about it, but it's a ridiculous story. Yeah. And they, they did sack him. Um, without giving him any compensation or anything like that, I was trying to. And then he got his compensation. Yeah. But then, so I meet him and I hear his story 
uh, about growing up. Not that it's an excuse or anything, but I hear a story about coming over to this country just with his mum, his dad dying when he was younger in the Civil War. And it, what a story. And what a lad. What yeah. a lad. I mean, he's just a, just a, just a kind-hearted kid. You know what I mean? Who's, I think at f- football fans, we're, we're, we're very quick to chuck dirt and judgment at people. Yeah. You know, because, oh, well, he earns this, so he hasn't got any feelings. He hasn't got, yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? He earns 10, 20, 30, that. So what? So what? It doesn't mean that you don't care about anything. No. You know? And when you're told week in, week out that you don't care, you don't do this, you don't do that, guess what? You're not going to do yeah. You're not going to, because everyone's telling me, yes, I, well, you're not going to do Well, that's how some people react. You know, I'd, me, I would react the complete opposite way, because I'm stubborn. But so I can understand why people do that. And he, he's learned his lesson. He's gone over to Belgium. He's had a fantastic uh, season there. He's done really well. Yeah. And his, I believe his dream would be now to get back into the either championship or the premiership. And I, and I do believe, you know, he's got a lot to offer. He's still, only, I think he's only 26. Yeah, yeah. Goal scorer. Um, so, yeah, he's... What was it four years ago? It was offering twenty million pounds for him. So yeah, yeah. someone's going to get a steal, aren't they? Well, exactly. Mel. I <laughs> 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 no, can't say it anymore. Well, well, you never know. You never know. Um, you can have a whisper in his ear. So just, yeah, I, I know a lad. He's playing in Belgium at the moment. English <laughs> talent. Now, what I'll do now, I'll finish it because we've had some questions come in. Um, Go on then. I've, and this is why I've purposely not mentioned this because obviously you scored is it two goals for Derby. Well, it's only it's only says one in the Rothman zone, you know. It is. I actually got two. It is. Now, which one have they concluded? Because both of them took deflections. One was, I think, it was against Peter Bruenter, and it was what was your most famous one against <laughs> Sheffield Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the Peterborough one was my right foot off volley. Yeah. Yes, it did take a deflection, so I'm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but of course, then my my goal that people remember me by is the Sheffield Wednesday goal in the FA Cup. So that clearly is uh, my favourite goal. Yeah, that's what that's what that's what KJ Wood's question was on Twitter. He said, "Which goal did you prefer or think was better, Sheffield Wednesday or Peterborough?" Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I called you out on that on Twitter. Actually, I think uh, I think Derby County tweeted it out, and I was like, "Do you ever score a goal without a deflection?" <laughs> but in fairness, go back- it all the time. Going, All the time. Going back to that Sheffield Wednesday goal. I mean, that was against Chris Woods, weren't it, in goal? The time was England keeper. Yeah. Sure. Well, that um, that's probably the only game the night before I was really, really nervous. And yeah. really nervous because I knew I was playing against Chris Waddle. And I just oh. thought, please, please, Lord, don't make, don't make a fool of me. Don't <laughs> make a fool of me, Chris Waddle. Because I knew how good he was. Yeah. So then I scored my goal. And then for at least, even going into the second half after that, my legs, I just felt about 22 stone. Because really? I just, everything just drained out of me. I just felt so heavy. Yeah, the yeah. excitement and everything. I just, I just go, if you see me in the last few minutes when they scored their third goal, I think yeah. it was um, Jemson came on, I think, and he got behind me to get to the byline. I just, I had nothing left in my legs, nothing at all. So, yeah, the game was that. That by far is the most electrifying game I've ever been involved in. Brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> Loved it. Brilliant. And then Roy Gibson says, after our last disastrous flirtation with the Premiership and observing the fortunes of Watford, Bombs, Norwich, and nearly Villa, can we get there? Can we stay there? And will will we feel happy as fans playing big teams each week? So, what was that again, Simon? Um, 
So after, obviously after our last disastrous, disastrous flirtation with the Premiership and observing the fortunes of Watford, Bournemouth, Norwich and Villa, can yeah. we get back there and can we stay there? And will we feel happy each week playing big teams? Because obviously we sort of get on our players' backs now if we lose if, or if we play poor. What's it going to be like if we get there? So can we get back there and do you think we can stay there? I think this year was, was a good opportunity because I think the standard in the Championship was poor this year. Um, yeah. I think we'll come close the year before, quite clearly. I think we've got a long way to go yet to get to the Premiership. Yeah. I really do. I think, we've, I, think we're, I think the whole expectation of our football club now has, has changed slightly, I think, now, because we are a club now that's bringing youth players through. Yeah. Um, I think now if we do get into the, into the playoffs, I think we've done really well. You know, yeah. But that's not to say we can't get to the playoffs and we can't get into the Premiership. But I think once you get into the Premiership, you have to spend. Yeah, you've, yeah. Got to, you've got to spend. And, you know, as I said to you earlier, I think the difficulty we have now is because we've blooded these youngsters at such an early age, yeah. the big clubs will sniff around them sooner or later. Yeah. You know, and it'll be so difficult for, for Mr. Morris to, to turn it down. It will yeah. do. It'll be really difficult, you know, because they're that good. If you've got the likes of Bellingham being sold for 25 million, who's only scored four goals in however many games, you know, mm. look at our young lads. Yeah, They're doing it week in, week out. So, do I think we can get to Premiership? Yes, I do. I, don't, I, think, I think another year with these young lads next season, I think the playoffs next season, would again, would be a push. Mm. I think it would be a push, but I think if we got there, I think we've got a good chance yeah, yeah. to stay in the Premiership. That then, that's down to Mr Morrison and who they have at the helm and then what money would he have to spend if they got there. Yeah. Uh, and then Matty Bailey on Instagram says, who should we sign next season and are our youngsters good enough? The youngsters are good enough. Yeah. But for me, I, I look at a team like, uh, I like the centre forward at, got it written down here, <laughs> Charlton, Macaulay yeah. Bond. Bond, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I like him. But for me, the Peterborough three. I like the way Peterborough play. And I, I tell you, I'll tell you why I like the way he plays because he plays in such a way where he gets his players, the forward playing players, scoring loads of goals. Yeah. Right? He's, I think he's a clever owner of a football club. They yeah. play, they're playing a certain way where they get loads of attacking football. Defending not so great, but attacking football, so they create an awful lot of chances. Yeah. And then their forward thinking players score loads of goals. Eyes of Ivan Tony, Madison, uh, Mohamed. Um, Isa, I think yeah, yeah. I think his name is. I think yeah, he came from league. forty came goals from... in seventy odd games, yeah. which is ridiculous. So they play a certain way of football, which then you know puts price tags on their on their forward thinking players. I yeah, think yeah. it's a really clever way of owning a football club. But but anyway, so I like Madison at Peterborough. Yeah. He's a left he's a left sided left footer attacking player for Peterborough. I do like him. Went to Hull now, aren't he? Yeah, good player, mate. Yeah, yeah, good player. Hall will be getting rid of him, mate, so they won't be able to afford him. Yeah, I'm going to say, because, uh, yeah, League One here, they're coming, aren't they? So, he want to move. Um, and then the last one, it's not a question, but I think this is from your good friend, Owen Bradley. He says, a little story about Shinner for you. Every commentary we do, he brings me a bottle of water. I think I must have forgotten one game. Uh, I think I must have forgotten one game early on. And every single game he brings one, it's it's just the little things. He's such a class act. And I think that is the way that the Derby fans perceive you, is you are a real gentleman and you're a very class act. The way you are on social media, obviously, 
we had the discussion about social media and you know it this is why it's been such a privilege to have you on the show but a very nice little insight from owen there about the sort of character that you are and, and what you bring to to the derby county commentary team and the analysis team yeah i mean was it because if i got you thought i'll bring him one every week now yeah well <laughs> um well no because i don't know i just that's what i did that's what yeah. i did and then once i brought him on i thought right i'm, I'm <laughs> that's the way i am and that's why i brought up owen would do the same for me Hundred percent. That as I said to you before, um, they're a lovely group down there. Yeah, the team, uh, they really are the Rams. The Rams team, the wrong, incredible team. I love. I just love working there. So, if it means me taking a bottle of water for Owen every week, then you know, so be it. <laughs> you know what I mean, he's worth every drop of it. Yeah, every yeah. drop. Oh, that's fantastic. You, in fairness, it, it's it's because obviously it's the first season you pair have worked sort of weekly because I can't remember the guy you had before uh, who the commentator was last season well, he's a Villa fan weren't he um, Jack Woodward yeah he, and yeah I, did, I think he got a lot of sort of not not stick but it was a bit sort of like he, his tone or something it didn't really suit some of the Derby fans yeah obviously now you and Owen have come in and I mean I've said to Owen before any, before anyway that you know he's his commentary style, it's changed as the season's gone on and it's just got better and better. And, and the pair of your yeah. chemistry, the pair of you is just, it, it's, it's, it's brilliant to see. And it's, you know, you, to be honest, you know, Rams TV is, it's probably a lot of people have said, it, even non Derby fans are saying it's probably one of the best sort of uh, club TVs that you, you know, channels that you can, that you can probably get nowadays. And it is. And that's, that's nice. To, that's nice to hear, mate. That is. That's lovely no. to hear. But um, yeah, I mean, Owen's, when I first got there, of course, he wasn't there. It was yeah, Colin yeah. Gibson. Yeah. So again, another another legend. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, who you can learn so much from. But yeah, when Owen came in, because he didn't do the commentary at first, but then he started he started doing it, and I realised because I'm the only co-commentator, but the job that they have is so difficult. Yeah. So to to continually talk through, you know, um, especially now when the balls in the in the stands or whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even when we do like under twenty threes games when it can be a boring game. Mm. They're having to find things to talk about, stats about this, stats about that. Yeah, they uh he, he's a as I said, the, the model pro at his game, he really is. I learned an awful lot from him actually. Yeah, I mean I've got to say I've seen I've seen his sort of preparation before games yeah. and do you do any of that or do you just go, nah, sorry, I haven't sorted it? I mean, so I do, I always do do actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I obviously look at the teams that we're playing. I look at the, like a, a five game, the last five games that they've played, shots on target, off target, what um, percentage of um, the ball that they have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and things like that. And obviously look at the, the, the main players within the team. But then Owen also, you know, you talk about me giving him a bottle of water. He gives me a line, uh, two or three pages of stuff about players and all sorts before each game. So, you know, um, the love is reciprocated. <laughs> what a lovely, <laughs> what a lovely way to end that is. There we are. It's brilliant, Shane. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. I've enjoyed it, mate. Lovely. Oh no, it's been wonderful. Uh, to all you guys that have listened, thank you so much um, for your support throughout the year. And like I say, I, I tried to do something big for you. I think I've got something big for you, you know. So thank you, Shane, again. Thank you for all my listeners. Brilliant. Thank you, Ash, Simon. Not a problem. And I shall see you next season. Come on, Derby. Stay close, watch it. Help me.